This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on our site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Well, Mark, um, guess what I did today? I did it include leaving the house? Yes. Holy crap. Oh, don't act surprised. <laughs> I do that all the time. Uh, did you talk to people? Yes. Well, I did mostly uh, videotaping, but we went out to the post office slash IRS building here uh-huh. in Keene. And as you know, earlier this week, we reported on Dave Ridley, who is, uh, if you've listened to our show for a little while, he's known as Dave in New Hampshire when he calls in. He's always given us uh, you know, updates on some of the activism that he's doing, and he has sort of made a name for himself by doing silent protests, by showing up in um, various bureaucracies across the state of New Hampshire and holding a sign in their lobby, for instance. And when asked to leave, he usually leaves very slowly. Which is very funny. Yes. And uh, he's just a great all-around guy, great activist. And as of recently, within the last year, he's been facing this thing up in the the uh, by the federal government. They they charged him at one point when he did one of his silent protests mm-hmm. in an IRS office. They charged him with a crime called distribution of handbills, and apparently that costs one hundred and twenty five dollars when you're distributing handbills uh, without I, federal permission. I thought that the First Amendment secured our right to. Uh, freedom of speech and yeah. our right to redress and um, petition the government for redress of grievance. You know, I used to think that too, but just not the case. No, uh, in no, fact, the First Amendment didn't protect me today um, from freedom of the press either, uh, or in regards to freedom of the press. I'll explain that in a moment. But uh, so Dave Ridley was slapped with a $125 fine for, again, handing out a, a flyer to an IRS agent. Dastardly criminal. Office. It's outrageous, huh? I it, mean, it really is. I mean, the, the the government should be there to enforce laws that um, harm people. You know, they're not laws that harm people, but laws that prevent pe- or they're supposed to prevent people from getting harmed. Or if you harm someone, um, you know, some some action should be brought against you. Not for passing out um, information or uh, whatever, some any kind of information to uh, federal government employees. Especially if that that information has directly to do with a uh, grievance about how they conduct themselves at work. And it might be one thing to say that oh we can't have people coming in here and handing out uh, uh, information about you know pizza coupons or, right. or whatever. I, I I suppose I can see that. But when you're talking about it, this isn't a handbill. When we're talking when 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 it this addresses directly what you're doing for a living. Right, he he was a silent protester. So because he was a silent protester, he did not speak to the bureaucrats in the offices he went to. He would stand there silently. If they asked him questions, he had a piece of paper, a few sheets of paper with him, with his thoughts on that piece of paper. So there's essentially no difference between him telling the bureaucrats what his opinions are versus that him handing them a piece of paper. But... We're not in charge, so they don't care about all those minor details. And they went ahead and charged him, and uh, the you know $125, he didn't pay it. They uh, took him to court over not paying the $125 and slapped him with four days in jail. He's sitting in jail right now as we speak. Uh, it's a jail down in Massachusetts. So the fact that they put our friend Dave Ridley in jail 
kind of upset some of the other activists here in New Hampshire mm-hmm. who wanted to send a message to the federal government to say, you know, you haven't defeated us. You can't scare us away by putting one of our friends in jail. So Kat Canning, the wife of Russell Canning, another uh, super activist here in New Hampshire, Kat's also one of the editors of the Keene Free Press, she decided she was going to go down to the local IRS office here in Keene and that she was going to hold a sign that says, I think it was taxes support torture, in the IRS office. So just sit in one of the chairs in the lobby and hold the sign until... Wait for her arrest. Until somebody arrests her. And Lauren Canario, also another one of the uh, super actors. Lauren's always up for get, to, get, to getting arrested. We love Lauren. She's so great. Um, but anyway, so she caught on, and she liked the idea, and she said she'd join in. And so um, we all showed up at about 10 a.m. this morning at the IRS office. Ten people. This, By the way, I'd like to point out that this whole thing was organized yesterday. Mm-hmm. Cause, Last night, maybe? Yeah, it was, was, I think, yesterday afternoon that Kat posted on NHree.com that this was going to happen. So, in less than 24 hours, 10 activists were there. Mm. At the drop of a hat. Just incredible. 10 activists, two of which had video cameras. One was me. And so it was good to... I mean, the more cameras there, the better. So, we were there, and uh, and Kat starts going up towards the IRS office. And Roger, the other guy with the camera, had already been told by the cop, uh, the, the ICE officer, Officer Therian, who's apparently the head of ICE for the Northeast. He was there, right? So they're Why did watching he happen the to be forums. There? Well, because they're watching the forums. Oh, and I see. apparently it's ICE's job to protect the federal offices. They're the same people. What are they are, protecting them from? Uh, people with handbills. People passing out <laughs> handbills? Okay. Uh, and, of course, actually, Kat's intention was not to hand out flyers. It was to sit in the office with a sign. Nonetheless. They say now, they say that if you don't have official business with the IRS, you can't be in their office. So, I was in, I walked in the building following Kat with my video camera, and the officer was coming downstairs. See, this is, I, I can kind of see what their problem is. Their problem is, is what if a person with a, uh, what they call a sandwich boards comes in and says, uh, eat a Joe's, you know, it's a, it says mm-hmm. eat a Joe's and just wants to stand there and advertise their, san- you know, the sandwiches there at the, uh, in the IRS <laughs> building. An, uh, annoying and inappropriate. I get it. The problem is the, the, it's, the problem is the large government we have. It is antithetical. It is at odds. It is, um, you know, not what can exist uh, congruously with a uh, constitution like we have. We have a constitution that says we have freedom of speech. That freedom of speech exists on uh, government, gov- property. government property, public land, those kinds of things. You don't have freedom of speech right. on my land. The you constitution is a set of rules for government to follow. You cannot come and, and yodel total eclipse of the heart outside of my bedroom window at 3 o'clock in the morning. That is not freedom of speech because I own rent that property. Mm-hmm. The landlord owns it. You can do that, however, on government property. And not well, the landlord loudly. could sing outside of your window. No, he can't. It's a, I have a lease. Well. Um, anyway, the uh, according to the First Amendment, you have freedom of speech, so you should be able to go in that office. Now, the problem is, is the office, not the freedom of speech, not yeah. the sandwich board with Eat at Joe's on it, not handing out handbills. The problem is the IRS office. Of course, they can't conduct business in there. The business that they're conducting is, in fact, antithetical to the Constitution. Well said. It's criminal. They're it, taking money from people without criminal. their permission. The, the 13th Amendment, 13th Amendment, 13th Amendment of the uh, Constitution says that there's no such, that you can't have slavery. Look, if you're forcing me to fill out your IRS paperwork for free, I'm your slave. 
That's right. Not let alone taking money from you. I may only be a little bit a slave once a year, but then again, I have to kick out thousands and thousands of dollars a year in taxes. So, so I didn't even make it up the stairs okay. um, with my video camera because I'm not allowed in there. I said, well, I had my I had my press badge on mm-hmm. that I made for myself, and normally that works wonders with bureaucrats. But he wasn't having any of that. Um, he didn't care that I was the press. I said, so let me see if I got this straight. And I caught this part on camera. I, did, I haven't watched the footage. I turned it over to Lauren. She's editing it. Um, but I caught this on camera where he told me uh, told me that there is no First Amendment in uh, federal buildings. No, that's great. And so um, I left. Um, Cat where, went up to the. Where would the First Amendment exist then? I didn't really have the the time no, to get no. into it because he was threatening me with confiscation of the camera and arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't quite ready for that. Not ready to take it that far with these guys yet. Sure. You know, I got a radio show to do and everything, mortgage to pay. I think that uh, I think you're probably uh, more useful to the uh, cause here doing the radio show. Than so I went else. back outside and uh, then I put my camera down because there were several activists out there holding signs in support of if cat and everything. So I put my camera down out there and I went back inside. And I said, well, you know, can I be here? I went up to the IRS office where Kat was already sitting down and Lauren was standing there who had a – she had a V mask on, by the way. And she was only calling – she was only referring to herself as V. Oh, God. And we'll get to that in a moment. But <laughs> – so I went in there and I said, well, I'm a member of the news media and I'm reporting on the news. Um, is there any reason why I can't be in here? And he kind of hemmed at me a little bit on that one but ended up relenting. And so I was allowed to stand and and view things as they transpired in the IRS office. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what happened here in a moment. Eight hundred exclusive. Uh, I was the only one there to see Lauren Canario get arrested, except for uh, except for Kat. <laughs> well, the, she's gotten arrested so many times. It's old hat at this point. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Actually, I don't think she's been arrested in New Hampshire yet. It's Not the first. New Hampshire. More on the way. Free talk live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is a place to go. All the features on the site are totally free, and some of those features include archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website. For your downloaded convenience, go and grab them up for free at freetalklive.com. And as the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. So recapping my uh, little experience from earlier today went to the irs office here in Keene with some of the local activists um, because our friend dave ridley has been thrown in uh in federal prison as a result of handing out a flyer to an irs agent so-called distribution of handbills was the charge that uh particular act infuriated some of the activists around here so much they decided to go and uh and stage a protest at the irs office here in Keene. Mm-hmm. so i went there as uh, as part of the news media to cover it with my handy digital video camera and was quickly kicked out of the post office by the head of the ice division here in the northeast uh, mike therian is his name ice being the immigration and customs enforcement department of course you're asking yourself why is ice involved in protecting irs offices 
and I don't have an answer for you. That's just what they do. Um, So they're protecting them from evil news media people like me who wanted to uh, exercise our First Amendment rights. Now, luckily, Kat was able to – Kat Canning, the uh, protester in this case, was able to make it up there with her sign, Taxes Support Torture, and sit down in the IRS office. So she was able to make it that far, and I think that might be because she actually beat the ICE guy to the scene. I think he was a few minutes late. Mm -hmm. And – Lauren Canario, also another super activist, up there with a V for Vendetta mask on, just standing in the office. She didn't even have a sign. And so I was kicked out when I had my camera. I put my camera down outside, went back in so I could watch what occurred so we'd know when they were arresting the girls. And then we could go, you know, um, get our cameras and stand by the exits, right? That Mm -hmm. way we could catch them coming out. And so I was up there, and they were basically telling the uh, the ladies that um, they're not allowed to be in the office unless they unless they had official business, and blah, blah, blah. They're going to have to leave. And they weren't leaving, obviously. Obviously, that's what they're looking for. Um, so then they asked Lauren to remove her mask. and Or they asked her well, – first of all, they tried to identify the people. It was interesting because you know how we've been talking recently on the show about the idea of persons in law being different from real people? Like uh-huh. this law concept, this word person in law doesn't mean what you think it means. A person can be a corporation and all kinds of other things under law. And it was interesting because this guy knew who Cat Canning is. He knew who she was. He's dealt with her before. He's arrested her husband before. And uh, he looked at her and said, are you Cat Canning? And it was just kind of telling, right? You know who she is. Do you need to really ask her to make sure? They're asking to uh, to have you identify yourself as mm-hmm. the uh, the person. That's what I think, at least. Anyway, so he asked her, are you Cat Canning? It's at Canning? least suspicious at this point. Right, and she uh, she answered in the affirmative. And then he asked um, Lauren who she was, and she didn't answer. And then when he asked again, she said, V. <laughs> that was the only thing she said the whole time. And funny. so they tried to remove her and mask, weird. and they wanted her to put her hands on the counter in order – I don't know why this were, was going to help them, but apparently putting her hands on the counter would help them remove her mask for identification purposes, I suppose. And she could whip out one of those knives and stick it in their foreheads like I guess they did in the that, movie. And that might have been the, the, the uh, concern, that she could have been armed, because they hadn't patted anybody down at that point. And she, would, she, of course, would not do that. Lauren Canario, her trademark is to not cooperate with the police. Mm-hmm. To make their job, make them actually have to do their jobs, make their jobs a little bit more difficult. And so since she wouldn't put her hands up on the counter, then they said, okay, well, we're going to arrest you for obstructing, uh, no, it was uh, uh, refusing a police order or something like that. You know, one of those silly charges they can throw, throw at you. And so at that point, they actually arrested Lauren and they hadn't arrested Kat yet. Of course, Lauren immediately, uh, you know, went limp as soon as the police put handcuffs on her and uh, forced them to drag her out of the office and that sort of thing. So I was standing there as as all this was going on and uh man, she is just a just a brave lady. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. And well, she has no fear of them, that's for sure. Nope. Um she doesn't. And it's just incredible to watch. Um so so they arrested Lauren and I went outside, found out that they were going to be going out the back door. I, the guy told me that. The the, uh, the head of the, the ICE guys told me that. I went outside, told the other activists that. He apparently noticed me doing that or something like that. So when I came back in, he started yelling at me from the stairs. He said, uh, you know what, I was, you were in my good graces. And, uh, you know, it's the news media, right? Screw you, and, bureaucrat. Uh, You're not allowed in this building. Get out of here. Because I had, and he pointed out that I had gone out and informed on uh, on them. 
I had informed my uh, fellow activist what was going to happen, and he was upset at me for that. And he said, you're not very objective. <laughs> and Roger... Is uh, that one, a requirement of the, of the press? Right. One of the other guys said, wait a minute, do you have to be objective? Does it say that in the Constitution, freedom of the objective press? <laughs> it doesn't say that. <laughs> Funny. So, you know, I wasn't going to argue with the guy, you know, because he was upset. And I had my video camera back in my hands at that point, so I went out of the building again. And then, you know, we did our best to get... Did you get him screaming at the top of the stairs? No, I wasn't recording at that point. That would have been good. Um, But we did our best to get whatever footage we could of them taking them out, because they were doing it in the back of the building, which is totally cordoned off, so you'd have to shoot through the fence and that sort of thing. It was was difficult. Then they brought the Keene police in, and they took Lauren away in the Keene police car, and they hadn't arrested Kat yet at that point. Then they ended up arresting Kat, and um, she was a little more cooperative, I guess. And they took her away in the ICE police car. Mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, we knew they since they took a, the Lauren away in the Keene cop car, they probably went to the Keene jail for processing. So we all huffed it over to uh, the Keene jail. Is that the Cheshire County jail? Whatever. I don't think so. Okay. They, I, they I have a holding cell for the Keene police, I would assume. Uh, generally, police have a holding cell, and then the sheriff is the uh, has the keys to the, uh, the, the, the uh, jail. I think the Cheshire County jail is elsewhere. Anyway, so we went down to the, the Keene police department. And uh, went in there and asked, uh, where's Lauren Canario? He said, well, she's back in the holding cell. And then later, 20 minutes later, another cop comes out and says, we've got uh, two people back there, Cat Canning and uh, another woman we can't identify. <laughs> so they still hadn't figured out who she was. Uh, and apparently she never identified herself because then another 20 minutes or so after that, some of us were standing outside chatting, talking about ordering a pizza and having it delivered to the police department. Uh, in the lobby there where, where some of us were waiting. That'll be fun. And uh, up comes walking Cat and Lauren from around the side of the building. Hmm. And I said, well, where'd you come from? And they said, well, we, they let us out the, the back door. They never signed anything. They, uh, Lauren never identified herself. they never did anything wrong. Right. They never identi- she never identified herself. And they were given, guess what, $125 tickets. Sound familiar? It does. Right. Actually, they're $100 tickets. I got a, t- a chance to look at them closely. They're $100 tickets with a $25, $25 processing fee. fee. <laughs> yep. That's great. That's just really funny, how they can give you a ticket and then charge you a fee for the <laughs> ticket they've given you. Look, <laughs> this is not a fee. It's just a $125 ticket. So um, our pizzas ended up showing up after they were released. We went over to the picnic table that was on the uh, property there and had ourselves some lunch, enjoyed ourselves, and as you might imagine, they're not paying the fines. Oh, I imagine they're not. So uh, I'm sure this story will develop, and we will bring you the latest, as it does, the very brave activities of the activists here in New Hampshire. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. Jimmy in Colorado's on the line. We'll talk to him and take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com, the place to go. All the features on the site we give away. And those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. See what I mean? By heading over to Shrine.freetalklive.com. That is Shrine.freetalklive.com. 
Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to, do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Let's roll into the phone calls and talk to Jimmy in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jimmy. How's it going, guys? What's well, on your mind? Well, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know I listen to your show on my iPod in my car on the way to work and from work every single day. Excellent. And uh, it's been a pleasure listening to you guys. That's just my introduction to what I'm saying. I guess uh, what I was going to tell you is that today I was listening to the show from the 9th, so about a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you had a caller call in and say that a crime is not a crime unless someone else finds out that it was committed. <laughs> Yeah. What does and I? I don't remember that at all. You weren't here. I don't think that week. Oh, okay. And uh, I, it just boggled my mind to think about the fact that there could be someone that thought like that. That you know, no matter how heinous this person's actions are, they're not a crime unless someone else is there to witness it. It's like you know the whole "if the tree falls in the forest" thing. It's all philosophical. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm. I'm with you, and and I hope we did an okay job of uh, of rebutting that because I don't. I did not agree. Well, he. Uh, I. I think he was on uh, right before a break, so you kind of you know said, "Well, thanks for calling in," and then commercial yeah, break. then we hit it when we came back. I it's. Think. It, it sort of seems like a a legal point more than anything, and I would agree with him on that legal point, but I don't think it's worth picking up the phone and uh, coming calling a radio show to correct somebody on that point at all. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay. It's not a crime if this, no one gets caught. It's just a heinous, disgusting act. No, it's still a crime. And, and I actually came out and I said, well, it seems to me that if you're doing damage to somebody's person or property, um, if you're removing value from that person, then, then you've committed a crime, whether or not a uh, court gets involved or whether or not the person realizes it. If you go into uh, you know, my silverware um, drawer and take a fork without my knowledge i probably won't ever find out about it but that doesn't negate the fact that you've committed a crime against my property yeah that's true and hey it doesn't even have to be against the law as far as i'm concerned i mean absolutely there's plenty of things that are uh harm to someone's property or their person uh that that i would consider a crime even if it's not in the law because you know our legal system just screwed up. So <laughs> yeah, there are way too there are way too many laws that address um, so-called. You know, oh gosh, I wish I knew. There's some legal term for it. There, there are there are crimes that don't involve a, a victim. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's an actual term, and I don't know what it is. But how about victimless? I've, I've heard the term victimless crime. Yeah, I was looking for more of a legal uh, legal term, but nonetheless, um, yeah. yes, um, there there are all sorts of crimes like that. Crimes by definition, crimes against the state. And uh, of course, yeah. you have to have someone, a complaining party, in order to uh, to actually to bring charges and and have crimes and that sort of thing. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. Well, I just <laughs> that was it. I, I I was completely disgusted. I heard the guy saying that. I'm going. You got to be kidding me. I can't believe there's people out there. That- actually think this is true sure well there are people out there that think that the government uh can do the same things as regular criminals and not be considered criminals so there's all kinds of people out there oh yeah i cannot tell you the number of times my mouth is just hanging open while i'm driving listening to the show when you have callers that call in and just they just want to keep running their mouth about how the government's doing such a great job and you know 
the, the police force is full of good people. There's only a few bad apples. And, you <laughs> yeah. know, the whole bit. There's all kinds of... Uh, anyway. Jimmy, glad you called. <laughs> Thanks you for making the call. Appreciate it, dude. 800-259-9231. We're not getting back to the show. We're on the show right now. In fact, I have an email that I meant to get to. Just You know how things, things go. I get way too many of these things. Nobody wants to hear your excuses. But it but ties in. Uh, Stephen writes in, Hey, guys, on a recent episode, Ian defined a crime as something that removed value from another's life. Well, what about property values? If Ian owns a home worth a million dollars and I buy the plot next to it and open up a strip club and 24-hour porno shop, the value of Ian's home is going to drop and possibly by quite a bit. Let's say my actions reduce the value of the home by half. Literally, I have removed value from his portfolio of assets. Is this a crime? No, it's not. And well, uh, for one thing, um, property value is speculative. It is a piece, a number on a piece of paper that someone has guessed at. The value of property is what you're able to sell it for mm-hmm. at the moment that you are able to sell it. Now you can. Um, the rest of it is just an estimation. That does not mean you have, in fact, have that value. Although a bank will loan you um, based on that value, that's that bank's decision. Mm. So you haven't really removed value when if you lower someone's property value. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but I see where Stephen's going. I understand and- exactly where he's going with, and you can address that. But I'm just saying, look, it's not even true. Right, that's what I wanted to, you know, say. Well, okay, yeah, you're you're removing sort of perceived value, value to you, but it won't necessarily be the same value to the person who's living next door. Um, he believes he's increased uh, the value of his property by building a porno store, 24-hour thing. So I probably shouldn't have defined it that way, but. Um, but when you're removing real value in that you're um, you're destroying property, you're harming another person, you're incapacitating someone, that sort of thing. That's what I was referring to. I wasn't referring to this sort of uh, conceptualized thing like, well, somebody could say that I've, that, uh, you know, Mark, just by you moving in next door with your habits, you could be removing value from uh, from my property. Don't act like it's uh, never been said before. Right. So that's that wasn't what I had intended to communicate, and I guess I should just stick with... I, I think I was trying to make a just a more generalized statement about what crime is, as opposed to saying... as opposed to rattling off the typical crimes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, well, crimes against property and your person. I suppose that's what I'll have to stick with. So, Stephen, thanks for the email. Appreciate you holding my feet to the fire. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Will in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live, William. I'm in Maryland. Okay, then. Well, um, William in Maryland. Hey, yeah, there. you're hi, in Colorado um, now, son. Go. <laughs> yeah. I actually, someone actually dared me to call in because they didn't, I'm not a libertarian. I'm a liberal. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but I have, the thing is, I have a lot of libertarian stances. I was raised in Maryland, which is a very liberal state. Pretty right. much everyone here just supports the Democrats. Who, who dared everything. you to call in? Just curious. Yeah, uh, I don't. It was John Shaw, I believe. Is ah. this Nathan from the uh, the bulletin yes, board? Yes, this is Nathan. Yes. Oh, okay, great. So, what's anyway, on your mind, Nathan um, or William? Or anyway, I'm whatever? not a libertarian, but I have a lot of libertarian economic views because after I started studying economics a little bit, I realized I couldn't really support some of the things I did, like uh, like the minimum wage, for example. If you sort of look at the basic effects of like price floors and price ceilings, stuff like that, just can't really work. Sure, yeah. The, the, I mean, the economics of the minimum wage are pretty well documented, yeah. that whenever you increase the minimum wage, you put low-end workers out of jobs, yeah. and that's, not, of course... Not only, not only that, but if, if the minimum wage is actually lower than the, uh, than the real, actual uh, minimum wage, you know, the market uh, you know, established minimum wage, I think that it can actually act as a pulling-down uh, effect because people might use the government minimum wage sort of as, a, as an excuse. Like an easy guess. 
yeah. sort of say, well, you know, maybe that is a good minimum wage. Right. People will often use the government as an excuse not to think about something. So yeah. I would uh, absolutely well, concur with you anyway. that a minimum wage is a two-edged sword, and once you have established it, it can be difficult to, to uh, certainly lower it and make it insignificant um, or even do away with it simply because people have, uh, you know, they, they, they've decided yeah. that the so, government knows best. Enough of the love fest. Give us an issue yeah, that you reason, disagree, uh, disagree called, with us on. The, reason, the main reason I called. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, uh, you know, I don't share your same economic views on a lot of issues. Uh, healthcare is one example. But rather than even getting into any specific issues like that, I wanted to cut to the chase and ask you a question. I think might kind of blow your mind. What's your justification for property? What's my justification? I'll go right. Ahead. I'll take this one. Are you yeah, ready? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, who who owns me? Um, how can you own you? You are. I'm just you. asking a question. Nobody. Nobody possible. owns me? No, I say nobody. I own me. But how can you own you? That's sort of circular, isn't do, it? I do mean, you own me? No. No? Well, then I do. I'm staking well, claim. I'm homesteading my body. Yourself, what's how that? can a person own a person? If you own yourself and you sell yourself, what's, the, what's doing the selling? Um, what's I doing can, the renting? Uh, look, I can do anything I want with the money that I sell my labor for every single day. Let's talk more well, about here's, this. Here's Hang on. Day. We'll bring you, you back. 800-259-9231. Property. It's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything, the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then you should consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Over 380 of our listeners have done so because they want to help us promote Free Talk Live. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is that you send in 3 bucks a month, we take it in, pull it all together, turn it around into advertising the show to get on more radio stations across the country. It's working. Get all the details, amp.freetalklive.com. Learn about the perks as well, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only forum and chat room, and more. All the details there, amp.freetalklive.com. We're talking property. Let's go back to a self-described liberal with libertarian tendencies, uh, William in Maryland, you're back on Free Talk Live, also known as yes. Nathan on our uh, forums at bbs.freetalklive.com. Now, you had started, uh, or we've ended the last segment with you asking a question about property and how you can, how Mark and I can justify property. And Mark, you were going off on a, a tan, or the, the thread about, well, who owns me? You own yourself. You're you're indicating that you believe that you own you, Mark. And Nathan, what do you have to say to that? Well, here, here's my – I can sort of clarify my point. The idea of self-ownership, if, if you follow philosophy, basically requires dualism, if you know what I mean by dualism. No. Well, it requires – you have to believe that, that, that a person is made up of a mind and a body that are separate, that your, your mind and body are not one thing. Um, monism, which is in philosophy, the idea that they're both the same. Um, you know, like your mind is just your brain that's just in your skull, and there's nothing more to it. Like, you know, Christians believe, like, the mind, you know, this consciousness is like the soul. That's that's more like dualism. It's all very it's interesting and, and, and all. Well, here's what I'm trying to say. I... Is to say you own yourself doesn't really follow. If, if, it's, if you just think about just um, how can you own yourself? 
mean, that's just kind of like... Um, well, because well, I control me, and property is all about, you know, what you can do with uh, the things that you have in your possession, whether it be land or things or your car um, or your body. I'm in control of me. I get to decide when I wake up and go to sleep and uh, what I put into me. And, right. Uh, I think that... Let, let's use that term control, then. I control my body. Does that sound accurate to you? Um... Yeah. I mean, does it, well, the thing is, though, is another thing. I'm a Buddhist, so I don't really believe in the concept of I either. I don't believe in the. Uh, that's very interesting. Of, Can I get a bullwhip and a and a revolver and and force you to work? <laughs> yeah, someone on the forum said one of you would uh, heckle me for being a Buddhist. I think I don't care whether you're a Buddhist. It's all it's it's great. Okay. Can I get a bullwhip and a revolver and tell oh, you what oh, to do? Uh, no. Okay, so I don't control you. From a moral standpoint, but who controls you so, from a moral standpoint, Mr. Buddhist? You can say that the, that you have a responsibility to not whip me with a bull whip or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily give me any kind of right. Can also be understood as a responsibility. Instead of saying that you know I have a right to not be hit by a bull whip, you could instead say that you have a responsibility. Look, if I don't own this body of mine, I don't have any responsibility for what it does, Mr. Buddhist. It can go mm -hmm. running amok, shooting people with revolvers and <laughs> smacking them with bull whips. This you all seems have very an in, academic. incongruous set of beliefs is what you have. Yeah. Well, this, so you and take, you can't you possibly take... believe, before, before you go on, you can't possibly yeah. believe in anything economically libertarian if you don't believe that I own and control my body and that you own and control yours. I don't think, I don't think you need to go back and every, do a little more digging not, in your not mind. Every, not, not every libertarian theory of property necessarily rests on self-ownership. I know there are some people really? that believe in uh, like anarcho-capitalism because they think it's the most uh, efficient way of meeting everybody's needs. More of like a utilitarian standpoint. Like uh, I think it's David Friedman. I think holds that view. Okay. That uh, it's not. It's not just about you know self-ownership. But that's the but, um, basis of all property. The basis of all property is you own yourself, and from that extension, you can extend out to own other the things. The basis of morality, the basis of all kinds of things is I control me. Look, if you, if you know, this is all very academic, um, and I don't really know. Should I call you Nathan or William? I'm not sure what uh, you... William, either okay. one. William, really it's, it seems all very academic to me, because there are obviously people that hold your belief system, or lack thereof, whatever you want to define it as. It's a little nihilistic, I think. Um, but... Yeah, there are people that think the way that you do, but luckily, most people think the way that Mark and I do, and that is that we own ourselves and we can own things. Well, most people believe in property and want to have property. I mean, would you share your car and your toothpaste and your house with anybody that came along and asked for it? I think that's basically the ethical ideal. I don't think that's realistic, but I think that would be the most ethical no, I don't think that would be ethical That's at all. That's insane. I mean, because nobody's going to take care of my property the way right. I did. They didn't work for that property. You look, dude, somebody stole my car one time, and uh, you know, when when it got returned, the all the uh, footwells were full of dirt. And but there's there's two problems with that. Number number one, or three problems with that. Number one, he didn't ask you. If you're going why to, should he? Look, why should he? Asking means if that I, I don't own it. own it. He should. He doesn't have to. Get, exactly. He doesn't have to ask me. Yes, it does mean that. If no, if I'm yeah. in control of a piece of property, then asking is the correct thing to do if you'd like Ima to utilize it. Now, imagine if you're sitting on the couch and you have the remote control. Someone doesn't just come over and some family member or relative and rip it out of your hand. They ask you or they. Can I change the channel? Because the it's my thing. damn remote. The car was parked out in a parking lot. It wasn't sitting in my hand. I wasn't driving it. When it well, was no, no, hold on, hold on. If, if, if you have a husband or a wife um, or some relative, it's not really – you have shared property. 
I mean, you think about but that like, was a voluntary um, agreement that they entered into, and I don't, by the way, necessarily think that's the best way to to have a relationship. Wait, what about Mark. children, though? How is that really a vol? That's that's like there. There's no real contract or anything there. What are you talking about? Well, when you have children that basically share a house with their parents or share a house with the uh, siblings with each other, there's no real, there's no voluntary contract. They basically just share everything as a family. They, sh- they share it at the whim of the parents. Right, it's an unspoken agreement I mean, um, between you, look, well, individuals. You can tell that child they can't sleep in their in the, their bedroom. You can tell them they have to sleep out in the hall. That's not their property, dude. They just live there. That's basically they're like, drawing my breath. View is that is that the most ethical is possession, not property per se. But if you are the one that that deserves, that truly deserves to use something the most or needs it the most for some kind of purpose. You know, if anybody else wants to use it, they can ask. And the person who should have it is the person who actually needs it. If someone's going to take your car and go, you know, cruising, then obviously they shouldn't take it if you have to go to work with that car. So wait a minute. Are you saying that you a have person- a completely unworkable set of um, beliefs? Do you understand that? <laughs> this is just this is strictly ethical, though. I think that you know, practically, you know, my views on economics aren't based strictly on ideology. I sort of think about. How things would sort of uh, well. Now I agree with with William in that people should ask before they utilize somebody else's property. That's respectful of another person's property rights. But but, but what it is is it's acknowledging that in fact that is that other person's property. By asking, completely unworkable set of beliefs William has. Here's one. Here's one more point I want to make about property. Okay. Is when you one one justification. This is from self ownership. When you uh, get property. the, the way you say that you get property is it extends outward, and you're talking about homesteading, where if you use, for example, a piece of land, that land becomes yours. Mm-hmm. Like, in a, you know, if there's a, a natural piece of land that nobody's used yet or something like that. Right. Well, here's one problem with that, is when you, when you homestead a piece of land, there's an ambiguous radius around the land. Where do you actually what counts as homesteading? Well, you, if, I, you, if I like build a house in the land, do maybe I own you should go ahead. On the house, the house covers. Here's what own? you should do: you should yeah. go and read about homesteading and understand it a little bit better, so you can <laughs> answer your own questions. And I mean, it depends on where you set up the boundaries. If you build a house without building a fence around it, then there is no particular boundary to your home. But if you're, I mean, again, we're dealing with this unclaimed plot of land, right? So you must set a claim. You must lay a claim, and building a fence is part of that homesteading process. Right. To, if you're just living in the house where if, your house is. If you're just living in the house and parking your car there at night when you go to work, it's completely different than growing a field full of corn. The, it's about use, William. The problem though is that when people lay claims, they people can use property, it overlaps. That's why when there was uh, you know, in the Middle Ages when there was very little government in a lot of areas, they would there would be border disputes. Because, for example, two people might have a house, but then they both might hunt on a certain... Uh, That's great. We have courts nearby. for that. Now, who owns the forest? Is, did, did, does one person Is it homesteaded? It? If it's not yeah, homesteaded, I mean, both, then... If it's not homesteaded, then nobody owns it. If it's been homesteaded, then you've got evidence that you've homesteaded this property. You take it into an arbitrator, and they will decide who who actually owns the property. Not to mention, we have things called title insurance for these reasons. Not to mention that all property at this point is owned. Okay? All property, unless you go to the moon where you can't breathe and it's difficult to stay on the ground and you have to dig in the ground to, uh, to even be able to get anything workable. That's actually also another problem is, is if, we, if we also if we take into account the effect that historical theft has had on property. If you think about the land, we took all the land from the Native Americans, um, and if you think about um, like in Europe, Europe today is not how it was 2,000 years ago. If you take every single person in the world, 
There's probably billions and billions of assets that have just been moved around through generations so that if you were to uphold property rights today, you would also be upholding historical theft. Right. First of all, I didn't take land from the Indians. I'd like to point that out. It was not. I wasn't involved. I, I have to deal with the current world today. Otherwise, it's unworkable. And working to the That's future. That's what you exactly. got, William. Unworkable. Thanks for the call, William. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. It's our property, but we'll let you use it for a little while. Free Talk Live. Hour two's coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we launch an hour number two of the program. You can bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those on us. Once again, that is freetalklive.com as we roll right into the phone calls. Talk to Indy in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Indy. Gentlemen, hey, Mark, Ian, love the show, guys. Thanks, You're dude. really mind-opening. What's on your mind? Um, Question I'm sure Mark will want to answer. I um, used a big word earlier, congruence. Um, are secure borders and a strong national defense congruent with libertarian values? No. Wait, now, Mark, you're in favor of a strong national defense, aren't you? Um, when you talk about a strong national, national defense, do you mean a standing army with a whole bunch of tanks and uh, you know B-52s ready to take off at a moment's notice and bomb little brown I'm people into a former into... enlisted service member, so yes, that's what I'm talking about. No. Look, man, if you've got a hammer... Everything looks like a nail. If you've got a large military, brown people look like enemies. The founding fathers actually were very—they're ex- very explicit in their warnings against having a standing army. They knew what would come as a result of that, and they were absolutely right. All right, I'm a conservative-leaning, uh, opening mind libertarian, I yep. suppose, but uh, I've seen the evils in the world, guys, and it just seems it has to be one of the components of a free society. I have too. They live in Washington. <laughs> And they control the freaking military, okay? I used to consider myself a conservative (laughs) back in the day, and uh, I started uh, learning about libertarianism, became a libertarian, and then I started learning more and became a free marketeer, and, uh, you know, it's just incompatible. Uh, The idea of liberty is incompatible with a a gigantic state, uh, or with any state, in my opinion. Mark, of course, would would like to have a tiny little state around. And there Um, there are many people in the world, um, in America, that call themselves libertarians who do believe in a strong military and who do believe in secure borders. Sure, and if you want to have a strong military, then fund it on a voluntary basis. If you want to uh, to have all that stuff, if it's such a great idea, then certainly people like yourself, uh, Indy, will pony up some cash and, and fund that sort of an operation. And the I'm rest a of us... I'm owner. I'm okay with that, yeah. uh, Mark. Um, Actually, I'm Ian Marks over there. Cosmo for turning me on to your guys' show. Thanks, Mark Ian. Absolutely. Wait, We're what? not going to pull your libertarian Cosmo. card simply. I don't know who Cosmo <laughs> is. We're not going to pull your card simply because you believe in a large military and a uh, and a secure borders. Okay. And it won't prevent me from signing a contract to move it to New Hampshire. Sweet. Video, guys. No way. As long as you can, I mean, move to New Hampshire, become a part of the Free State Project, as long as you're moving in the direction of less government. And eventually, what, what I think you're going to see happen is that once we get to the point of having a small government, then all of a sudden you'll, be, you know, you'll have hung around enough of us uh, to understand that you know, there are these other functions, these core functions that you thought at one time that government must handle, that you've come to realize maybe there are some other alternatives. 
And I appreciate thanks, that, Ian. Thanks for the call, Andy. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231, because that's what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see us, you know, slash the government down drastically. Maybe Ron Paul gets elected and cuts out the IRS and cuts out the Department of Education and, you know, so on and so forth. And he's not going to cut out the military, and he's not going to do away um, with, uh, you know, the Border Patrol and, and our uh, sovereignty as right. a nation. But then once those other issues go away, then we're only going to have a handful of other departments that we get to bicker over. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we can really delve into, well, you know, here's how here's how us free marketeers view it. Why can't we fund these on a voluntary basis? If they're such great programs, let's get them funded voluntarily. They'll be less wasteful. Mm-hmm. They'll uh, be more responsive to the marketplace, um, that sort of thing. So then we can really focus in on how we can make further changes to make government even smaller and maybe even replace it uh, with market-based functions. The first step certainly would be getting, to getting uh, Ron Paul elected. That would be a nice first step. And moving to the Free State Project. I think that's a, another good one. Yep, absolutely. Let's go to Joe in Wisconsin. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, gentlemen. What's on your mind? I love the topics tonight. Thanks. Got another one for you. What would you think about a walkathon for Ed and Elaine Brown in New Hampshire? I don't know. What's the purpose? I'll raise money for them, raise awareness mostly. Hmm. And when I get there, well, I'll say hi to them in person, and I'll join the Free State. Oh, so like a one-person walk across America kind of thing, or from wherever you are to there? Yep. Okay. I think that's a hell of an idea. I think uh, what that takes is that takes uh, good PR work ahead of time. Otherwise, you're just some guy walking down the road. Right. You've got to have Definitely. some. You've got to have a team of people calling the radio stations and the television stations and news reporters in the areas you're going to walk right. through. Right. Every time you go through a town, the newspaper the newspaper needs to know. Every reporter at um, every television st- station needs to know. These people need to know you're walking and you're walking for Ed and Elaine Brown. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to go along with what the other callers were saying, Mm -hmm. think about when the income tax happened. 1913. Yeah, and why did they put that in exactly? I assume they're greedy bureaucrats. Well, it was supposed to be to repay some war debts or whatever, some nonsense to that effect. Okay. I thought we got rid of that war, and then, you know, there was some peace, and then we had another war. Mm -hmm. You know, every time we go to peace, shouldn't we have that tax repealed? Well, that's just not how it works. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? We're in a wartime posture constantly at this point because the state realizes that, uh, you know, the United States government realizes that that's in fact how they grow the quickest. Right. They love war. And they also, they have no interest in getting rid of taxes once they're created. Look at all the government programs that were created. They pay the dividends. They were created for a you know sh- uh, an, a short period of time o- originally, or for a uh, purpose that existed a hundred years ago. But they never bothered to get rid of it because hey, those bureaucrats need jobs or whatever other the excuse was. I mean, the bureaucrats whose jobs you've created will lobby very very hard to keep their jobs. Whereas the rest of the the cost for that bureaucracy diffused down throughout the rest of America is only a you know pennies per year for each for each American. So it's not as it's not as motivating to get uh, the average American to go and lobby for the the uh, abolishment of one particular bureaucracy. It's just not economically feasible. I mean, who wants to go to Washington D.C. to protest your you know to protest in favor of getting rid of one particular bureaucracy when all it's going to do is lessen your tax burden by five cents a year, whereas those bureaucrats that are working for that program have every incentive whatsoever to go and, and lobby as hard as they can to keep their jobs. So that's part of the, uh, the, the, the one of the problems that we have here in this country. Joe, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Gene, the Christian anarchist on the line in Tennessee on the amp line. Hey, Gene. Hey, guys. I, I'm right now I'm playing with my uh, 
my copy of Ultra Get. It's a freeware program for downloading YouTube videos. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm going crazy downloading every YouTube video I can find anyway, yeah. All right. <laughs> What's <laughs> on your not, mind tonight, Gene? That's not what I called about. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to call with my prediction that I made about probably a month ago on the BBS, back before Ron Paul got as popular as he is now. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that one of two things was going to happen, and when it does, uh, uh, if the second uh, event occurs, then it's, it's a shooting war in this country. But here's the first event, is that they just keep minimizing him and he just disappears. That hasn't and happened. It has not happened, and that was a more likely event uh, a month or so ago when I put it on the BBS. So wait, you're saying that now there's going to be shooting as a result of him not disappearing? Yes. Why? Uh, it's Who's going to shoot called whom? the men in power, the thing that you don't believe in, um, but uh, the same thing that took care of Kennedy and the rest of them. But with Ron Paul, his momentum keeps growing, and I think it, at this point it's inevitable. You think they're going to bump off Ron Paul? I don't think uh, it's a very small likelihood. I think it's a very large likelihood. Why are they waiting? Why not do it now while the attention isn't being paid to him as much? Maybe because they're not uh, quite, they don't have their eyes opened enough yet. Well, then how, I mean, how all-knowing are they, Gene? Well, you've got to realize that the people that are in power, they're just people like you and me, and they do make mistakes. It's not like they're, uh, they're... Almighty God, and they can't make a Yeah, mistake. but they have networks of goons and billions of dollars at their disposal. Yeah. I mean, certainly yes, someone notices Ron Paul and his pro-liberty message. I'm, I'm glad you recognize that they do have those goons and billions of dollars. Now, once those billions of dollars are threatened, you don't think that they're going to plan to make some kind of a change so that their billions of dollars don't get threatened? Yeah, I, I think they're... It's, it's nothing to kill one person for a million dollars, much less billions of dollars. I agree with you, but we've talked about this on the show as to why it hasn't happened yet. If I were in charge of the evil NWO, I would have done it a decade ago. Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> a liberty-oriented guy got elected to Congress? We've got to get rid of this. This is trouble. Okay, so when, so when it happens, what I'm saying is... It's time for you to put away your 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 uh, denial of uh, conspiracies and start picking up the shotgun. And the, what and if it looks like what? It could, maybe they make they'll just make him look like he had a heart attack, though. I mean, then what are you going to say then? I mean, well, you know, he's seventy some years old, so that certainly is a possibility. It could we'll actually see. be a real one. I hope you're wrong, Gene. Thank but you for the call, shot, man. No, Appreciate if he's it. Shot by a lone gunman, a crazed ex-military. Then you know it's time to start shooting. We shall see. Thank you, dude. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You take control. Free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features for free, bulletin board system. Over a quarter of a million posts await you. Lots of stuff to talk about, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL, like Free Talk Live. That's code FTL to save 10%. LegalZoom.com. To the phones, to the fun. Richie in South Carolina, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Um, I called in last night and mentioned that Ron Paul was going to be in Spartanburg, South Carolina, Saturday. Yes, sir. But what I didn't get to say was how the events come along that he came to Spartanburg, or he's coming to Spartanburg. All right. What transpired? 
Well, um, what, it all started back um, the South Carolina Republican debates, and the uh, <clears throat> the uh, Republican Party chairman Rick Beltram here. He decided that Ron Paul, after after the debates, and he hurt Giuliani's feelings. You know, he decided <laughs> that Ron Paul wouldn't welcome. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> but uh, but basically, he had to change his tune after several emails and phone calls and voicemails that was left for him. And yeah, I don't think he, he expected. Ron actually coming here and is going to be a money making. Uh, Something for the GOP. Every 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 dollar that's that's made it goes to the Spartanburg GOP, which I think a lot of people don't like that aspect of it. So they so basically the Ron Paul activists forced this guy to eat a little bit of crow, huh? <laughs> that's it exactly. That is it. Good deal. So he's going to be speaking at some sort of a GOP fundraiser where presumably Ron Paul will make a little bit of money himself, and then the GOP will actually uh, get a piece. I don't know if Ron Paul will make any money because it said all the uh, all the uh, proceeds is going to go to the Spartanburg GOP. That's but, unusual. Uh, it seems hey, strange. Hey, Usually, presidential candidates want to make some money. Yeah, that seems strange to me. There's got to be something in it for Ron beyond yeah, just a speaking be. engagement. Well, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than I know, but uh, I just I just wanted to uh, I, I just wonder how somebody could be so arrogant as this Rick Beltram guy, to speak for all of Spartanburg and yeah. say, well, Ron Paul's, the door's closed for him. He's not welcome. Well, that's not how politics goes. I mean, politics exactly is people who want to tell you what to think try to get into power. And, you know, he's just the president of the local GOP. He feels like he can tell all the Republicans how things are going to be. That's well, how it is. I call them neocons. <laughs> you're, and you're darn right, Richie. Thanks are. for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's talk to John in Ohio, listening on WAIS. Hello, John. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind? I just uh, want to congratulate the uh, uh, free uh, workers. What does he call himself? Me? I call myself a free marketeer. Free marketeer, that's it. I want to congratulate the free marketeers because... Uh, you should be jumping for joy uh, the days that we're living in today because this is uh, the prime example of what happens in an uncontrolled free market economy. What are you talking about? Well, you've got the uh, American uh, businesses controlling not only uh, the business community, but also they're in charge of the government. But no, sir, you government. don't. No, no, no. You can't have a free market if there's a government around. It's just not. It's just not the case. We don't have an uncontrolled uh, well, economy. We live in a regulated marketplace. Had, uh, this same thing going on today, a hundred years ago, because it was the government that uh, uh, put in the anti-monopoly laws and uh, you know broke up uh, some of the. Uh, Monopoly. No, that's not true either. That's the government's version of the story. Uh, and the reality is that government creates monopolies. Uh, government is the only agency that can actually enforce a monopoly because in a truly unregulated marketplace, the only kind of monopoly that can zi exist is a market monopoly, which is really more of a concept than anything else because there's never really been one. Because uh, in, in a free marketplace, as soon as one particular agency or, or one business starts gaining a tremendous portion of market share, up, you know, 
know, getting up toward 99%, if that's even possible, then uh, then inevitably someone's going to jump into the game and compete with them. The only way that someone wouldn't jump in to compete is if that one company, that one market monopoly, was doing such a great job providing products and services at the lowest possible price and satisfying customers, uh, which, again, is, is really a, a difficult thing to do because the more uh, the larger a company gets, the more well, unwieldy it gets. the customers, and there's being predatory toward the competition. You can only and, be predatory uh, the toward the competition, is, uh, sir, with government around. The, the only way you can be predatory towards your competition is with a government agency to enforce rules on them, which is what we have today. Well, uh, the Rock, it was the Rockefeller that started the uh, Ohio uh, oil thing. Rockefe- anyway, uh, Rockefeller uh, had Standard Oil. I believe that's what you might well, be standard referring to. Standard Oil, okay. Uh, that gentleman, uh, he... Uh, Moved his product by rail. Right. He dictated to the rail companies that uh, they had to uh, ship his oil at a sub sub price compared to. Uh, well, they they had to make. Uh, sh- the they had to give him a better producers. deal because he shipped a lot they of oil. He bought he bought railroad their, time uh, in bulk. But there's sir, nothing wrong with that. Right. He didn't dictate to them. He said, "I want to buy some of your, you know, your uh, your services, and here's what I'm willing to pay." And they said, "Okay, we'll take it." Uh, no one was, uh, no one had a gun put to their head. But if they did, it was the government that did it, not Standard Oil. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. People have been taught uh, for a very long time that monopolies are a terrible, terrible thing, and that if we let businesses run unchecked, we're going to have monopolies in every, uh, you know, every business classification there is out it's there. It's absurd. It's in not true. In fact, a monopoly simply cannot exist without the government. In a truly unregulated market. And the reason is because in a free market, anyone is free to jump into whatever business they want to. Anybody with some capital or with some investors can jump in and compete in whatever the industry Let's give some is. some examples. Walmart. Walmart has competition. Kmart, Target, Target um, all, every mom-and-pop store out there that t- sells the same stuff Walmart does. Walmart has Amazon. competition. That just means that Walmart, although a big company, not a monopoly. Okay, how about um, Microsoft? Although Microsoft has a great deal of the market... They've got a huge consumer market share. They're losing it every single day to Apple, Linux, um, you know, Unix. Somebody claimed Unix, but I don't know what that means exactly. There's... The fact is, Microsoft is losing market share. They are not monopolies. They are large businesses. They are definitely contenders in their um, particular category. Let me tell you about a couple of monopolies. Your power company... Your cable company, mm, water your company. local telephone service company, your water company. Those are monopolies, and they're all put in place by your government. That's right. They have franchise agreements with your local town governments that say, okay, we'll let you do this service here, but we're going to protect, uh, protect you from anybody else jumping into the game. And that's the only way monopolies can truly happen, because with a market monopoly... There's two, there's two kinds of monopolies, coercive monopolies and market monopolies. Coercive monopolies can't exist in a free marketplace because anyone can jump in the game. With a market monopoly, again, it's totally theoretical. No one has ever accomplished a market monopoly because as companies get bigger, they get more obtrusive, they get you know more difficult to run. I mean, even, even Clear Channel couldn't hold out. They're going private now. They're mm-hmm. selling off a bunch of radio stations because they got too big, they got too unwieldy, and they weren't able to compete. Um, Let's discuss this a little further. Market monopolies versus coercive monopolies. It's an important distinction to understand. Free Talk Live. 
One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The features are for free. Live streams there, broadband version, dial-up version as well, on the house at freetalklive.com. Do you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats could leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that KeepYourAssets.net can help you to be protected against those that wish to take your assets. KeepYourAssets.net. Now then, I just wanted to continue my uh, line of thought here on this whole monopoly thing, because I don't know if I quite expressed myself. It's it's something that a lot of people uh, believe is going to be a problem if the government goes away, when in fact, if the government goes away, then monopolies will go away. Because the only way, um, again, the only way a monopoly can truly exist is with government backing it up. When government points guns at its potential competitors and says, uh-uh-uh, no, you can't enter this marketplace, we said so. In the free marketplace, there's no government agency around to do that. So any time a business, let's say Walmart manages to run Kmart and Sears and Target and all the other, um, let's just say big box stores, okay? And because uh, it's impossible for them to run every mom. It's, I mean, it's impossible for them to run all those competitors out of business anyway because sure it is. competition is just that way. But in a theoretical world, uh, let's say they run them out of business. Well, the reason why they'd be running those companies out of business is because they'd be doing business, uh, offering the same products for a lower price, and they'd be offering better service. Whatever it was they were doing, they managed to pull all of Target's customers away from shopping at Target to shop at Walmart. Doesn't seem very likely, but again, we're operating in the fantasy world now, right? So that's the only way it's going to happen. Mark, you and Laura shop at Target all the time. You're more Target types than you are Walmart types. Am I correct about that's that? That's correct. So it would really take some amazing changes at Walmart in order to draw you away to get to make you into a loyal Walmart customer, right? I'd say that we're, we're, we're you know, we're big box whores. Um, you know, Laura goes, <laughs> Laura goes to Walmart for some things, and she goes to Target for some things. She, she likes the, the stylish houseware stuff at Target, whereas uh, Walmart, she likes the, the low prices that she can get on a lot of different stuff there. And it happens to be a little closer. But they're very, they're both sufficiently close for um, us, and she's got the time to go and and you know shop around at these places. It gives her something to do. But but am I right about this? I mean, it would really take something special. Walmart would really have to modify their business to really get you guys there 100 percent of the time. Right, their houseware stuff would have to get uh, you know to be a higher level of taste. Right, so they do that and they manage to put Target out of business, and now there's no other big box retailer. Heck, they managed to put Best Buy and Circuit City and all the other you know specialty stores out of mm-hmm. business. They're just doing such an awesome job. Because that's the only way those other companies are going out of business. If you voluntarily, you as the consumer, choose to start shopping at Walmart 100% of the time. And so then Walmart is going to have to stay at the level that they're at. They're going to have to keep one-upping themselves in order to keep you around. Because if they all of a sudden raise their prices, if they sit back and say, ha, ha. We control the marketplace now, and we're going to redouble our prices. No more dollar sixty-seven uh, Walmart brand Listerine. We're gonna make it three cents cheaper than the Listerine, which is you know five bucks. And uh, <laughs> we'll really get them now. We're gonna gouge the consumer. 
immediately, the people out there, the entrepreneurs who are in search of a profit, are going to say, whoa, Walmart has now, they've fallen off of this great price mm-hmm. bandwagon. They've, they've completely changed their business. They're gouging their customers. We are opening up Markland. Come on in. Prices are cheaper than Walmart. Our service is better. We're competing. And it's, there's the end of their monopoly. It's over. Because in the marketplace, anyone is free to do business at, in whatever industry they want to. I mean, that's just how it works. And that's how it's going to happen, too. As soon as you run those uh, big box stores out of business, let's let's work in the real world. There's going to be empty big box stores. Somebody's <laughs> yeah. going to say, hmm, I wonder what I could open up in that empty big box store. Right. Because real retail is a multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. business. There's all kinds of profits just sitting there waiting for you. All you have to do is compete with the big boys. And there are plenty of people who are willing to do it. People would love to compete in the power field. They would love to compete in the television cable field. They would love to compete in, uh, in many of the areas where we do have government-approved monopolies. Unfortunately, there are governments around to prevent them from doing so. And as a result, we are living in the 1970s as far as our power structure is concerned in this country you mean as far as the power grid goes like yeah. getting, getting electricity yeah absolutely true because of all the stupid government regulations that are out there nuclear power plants cannot be built the last one was built in the 70s mm-hmm. in this country we could have all kinds of neat new power technology out there except for this damn government that's sitting in the way saying huh, well we've got franchise agreements <laughs> you can't step in here stop it well it's happening now a little bit with alternative energy now you can go to a store and buy a solar panel or a windmill or all kinds of alternative energy that will allow you to get off the grid. Or even supplement though, even your power. The, even though the grid um, exists un- under a monopoly and there hasn't been any competition to hone these businesses down to their, you know, the, the sort of sleek business fighting machine that Walmart is um, – you know, we, you could still do some things to get yourself away. Now, well, that's because the market operates its best despite the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at the cable, uh, the cable field as well. You know, cable uh, television back in the 1980s, they managed to get governments, local governments, to pass laws in addition to their franchise agreements that gave them exclusivity for cable. Right. They also managed to get governments to pass laws outlawed, outlawing C-band dishes. You know those big 12-foot, 10-foot, 12-foot dishes you ugly. see? Yeah, well, that was the excuses they used. But some the governments, real, some localities. The real reason was because the cable company didn't want any competition at all. Right, and the cable company has the time, the money, the energy, and the, the uh, motivation to get legislation put in place to have no C-band issues. But, you, on the other hand, have a job but, so that you have to go do that kind of thing, um, go work, and, and you don't have the time to, to bother with what they're doing. But look what the market did anyway. The, the market forces are so powerful out there mm-hmm. that they manage to come up with a smaller dish. You've seen them. Yep. Direct, Direct TV. TV and all of its competitors, they came up with an 18-inch dish that was smaller than all of the regulations that had been passed in all of the localities. And they did it without you know the cable companies being able to say boo about it. Um, and so they managed to pull that off. And then look what has happened as a result of, again, technology just getting better and better. The cable companies jumped into uh, the, the Internet game and really revolutionized broadband. 
um, because you know they saw an opportunity. They had the infrastructure, right. and they they got into that. And then the phone companies jumped in and said, "Well, we're going to offer DSL." And, uh, all and now this, they're offering FiOS that's going to compete with the, te- with the with the cable companies. Right now, of course, they have to j- beg the cities for permission in order to I offer. I don't see these why services. that is. They still they have the existing uh, telephone lines up there. They have to. They have they to. They have beg to because the stupid bureaucrats right. already made the law. Right, because because the cable companies have a monopoly on television services. So the Verizon and the other cable, uh, rather telephone companies, have to go in front of city councils all across America and beg them one for, at a time. Yes, and beg them for who knows how the hell much that costs. Oh God knows. I mean, you wonder why so many things are expensive as far as uh, television services, government regulations. The answer. Um, so then they go and they beg for permission to offer television services, and of course they come in with the argument that. This is competition. It's going to be good for the consumer. And they're right. It will be good. Let them in. Let them do business. I remember when we left Sarasota last year, Mark, the uh, Verizon was putting in Fios lines or Fios or whatever you want to call it around the area in order to compete on Internet. But they still had to get approval to offer the uh, the television service. Mm-hmm. I think I saw something on our old, uh, the old uh, newspapers for the paper's website from down there that mm-hmm. it's finally been approved. Wow, it's been a year. Yeah, right. This is how slow the gears of government turn. If it weren't for the damn government sitting around, we'd already have this technology. The technology would be in our homes, and they'd be, you know, they'd be competing on the basis of price and service and everything. I mean, that's one of the reasons why your cable company sucks so bad at service. It's why they give you, you ever, you ever had this happen? You call in for service for whatever reason, your line's down or whatever's going on. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we, we'll be out there on Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Mm. What the hell? I have, a, I have work to do. I've got somewhere to go. I've got appointments. I've got things to do. You mean I have to sit at my house and hang around for all day hoping your employee comes earlier rather than later? Yes. Yeah, I do, because they have a government-approved monopoly. 800-259-9231. An old couple might be losing their home over a $1.63 tax bill. We'll talk about that coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. We give away all the features on our website, though. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show, and one of the ways you can do that is by buying our banner advertisement. We're auctioning off the fourth banner on the site. That's fourth from the top. Uh, You get it for an entire month, and you can advertise virtually anything. Uh, whether it be your business, your product, your service, your uh, favorite uh, candidate, your favorite band, whatever you want, um, pretty much. We'll reserve the right to reject anything like filled with racism or something like that, uh, but at any, pretty much anything. What you want to do is go to auction.freetalklive.com to place your bid. Last time I looked, it was at around 20 bucks, so not too shabby of a price for an entire month yep. site-wide at freetalklive.com. Place your bid now, auction.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Mike in Detroit. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, I was wondering what you think about Hillary Clinton running for president. Well, I think uh, she's a like, politician like any other politician. She's a woman, um, though. She's a woman politician. Oh, yeah. my God. She has two X chromosomes. Politicians yeah. are liars. Uh, they're thieves. They're scum. Um, they're uh, thugs in suits, in my opinion, and uh, I'm not impressed. How do you feel about that? Well, her husband was a great politician. And what makes him great, sir? Hold on. What, what makes a politician great? Um, just because he was great in office. 
How so? I mean, you used the term great. Now I've asked you to back it up. All right. Well, what did Bill Clinton do that was great? He... Thanks for the call. Yeah. 800-259. He's a duck. You know what? That would have been great. If he was a duck, then no one would have been able to get their bills signed. I say vote for the duck in 2008. I really wish we could elect a duck in 2008. 800-259. Actually, I think Ron Paul would be better because Ron Paul wants to roll some of the things back in the government. So. Yeah, true. Um, I wish we could vote for ducks as far as Senate and House seats. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Donald Duck for president. 800-259-9231 to Slidell, Louisiana. The Associated Press reporting a $1.63 property tax bill that never reached its destination in 1996 is... Wait a minute, you mean the USPS loses mail? My God. Uh, it never reached its destination over a decade ago, has turned into a nightmare for Kermit and Dolores Atwood, who are now Kermit? trying to keep from losing their home over the unpaid notice. Dolores calls the events that followed the wayward bill, including the eventual sale of their home at a sheriff's tax sale, seven years of emotional hell. She, who is 69, by the way, said, I don't know how much more I can endure while sitting in front of a FEMA trailer in front of her Hurricane Katrina ravaged home north of Slidell. The couple hopes recent state court decisions would say their home should never have been put up for sale, withstand appeals by a land company. In 2000, the Atwoods learned that their four-bedroom home had been sold in a tax sale three years earlier. Surprise! <laughs> for, guess what the uh, sale price was? A buck sixty-three in unpaid taxes, plus ten cents interest, and $125 in sale costs. My God. How the hell does that happen? I mean, who was at this auction? Just the sheriff? And should they get to keep it? I mean, the... <laughs> The person who bought this house on this uh, government uh, foreclosure sale or whatever because of these taxes, they get to keep these people's house? That's ridiculous. Atwood said the couple learned of the sale about a week after the three-year period in which delinquent taxpayers can reclaim their property had ended. And I guess they didn't get any notices about that either. The bill was sent to a defunct address and returned undelivered to the St. Hemenay Parish Sheriff's Office. Atwood then complained to the sheriffs and assessors' offices that she never received the bill and knew nothing about it. The house, which the couple has owned mortgage-free since 1968, oh dear God, previously was totally state homestead exempt, meaning there was no tax bill. Said Atwood, "Man, I wish I could get that for my house. The sheriff's office could easily have found us." Atwood said, "We're in the phone book." Oh, that would require bureaucrats to actually do a little bit They're of work. They're not responsible for, uh, you know, looking you up in the phone book. They could just sell your house out from underneath you. Although the state tax commission nullified the sale, the couple found out in 2002 when they attempted to sell the house and got a $90,000 offer, a buyer, Jamie Land Company, had filed suit. The company had bought the property rights from American Land Investments. Atwood said the couple couldn't sell the house because they didn't have clear title to the property. Then, when Katrina hit, trees fell on the house. She said since they didn't have insurance and because they didn't have a clear title, they didn't qualify for federal rebuilding help. Well, you know, whatever. The, in May 2006, State District Judge Patricia Hedges ruled that the property title belonged to the Atwoods. Jamie Land appealed, and last month, the three-judge panel in the State Circuit Court of Appeal upheld Hedges' decision. Jamie Land asked the court to rehear the case, but that request was denied last week. Now the company plans to ask the Louisiana Supreme Court to take up the case. Man, give in. Let these old people keep their destroyed home. James Lindsay, the company's president, said he didn't want to pursue a long court case, but that his rights were violated when the tax commission didn't inform him of its decision. 
So it's the government that just keeps dropping the ball here. Yeah, no doubt. The government didn't inform them that they had this dollar sixty-three tax bill. They didn't inform them that their house had been sold. They didn't inform them of the three-year time period in which they had to uh, rebut the government's claims. And apparently they didn't bother to inform the guy they sold the house to of, uh, of, of several things either. Hmm. Lindsay said, uh, the, on- the owner of the company said, I've been trying to settle this from the very beginning, and I've offered to settle for very little. Each time we meet in court, we beg to settle. He says he's made offers uh, ranging from 2000 to $5,000 to settle, though Atwood says she's unaware of any offers. So, just a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Just an absolute mess. And, you know, it's all about the coercive power of the government. Look, if this was a $1.62 phone bill... You wouldn't be losing your house. <laughs> but the fact is, because it's property tax, because it's taxes, taxes in general, the government doesn't know how to do anything but force. That's right. Sometimes they use it, sometimes they don't. But they really, that, that's, what, that's all they've got. Right. Apparently, they don't know how to use a phone book either to find the people that they're trying to, uh, to well, they're use. They're not motivated forces. to. They're right, not, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. They're not incentivized to get into the phone book and get a hold of you the same way um, anybody else who you owed money to would be. They say to themselves, hmm, it's kind of good if they don't pay their bill. Then we can sell their house for Yeah, I can buy it for $1.63 at an auction. Just amazing. I mean, this is more proof, by the way. In case you thought you owned your home, this is pure, pure positive proof that you do not. Because these people thought they owned their home outright back in 1968. Figured, hey, we're homesteaded in. Don't have any property taxes to pay. We're set for retirement for the for the rest of our lives. We're good. Must have been a really great feeling to have. And then imagine how it felt when you know you turn 69. You're in the middle of your retirement, and then you find out one day that you don't even own your house anymore. You've Somebody been, wants you to get out of their house, right? That uh, you've lived in for 30 years. I, I I don't even know if I can fathom how upset. And how perturbed I would I wonder be. How many, I wonder how many days, weeks, months it took off their lives. You know, that, that level of stress is not oh good for gosh. somebody. Yeah. I it's mean, how would you feel? Just one more instance how government kills. Right. You're, you're leasing your property from the state. Mm-hmm. If you don't pay what they demand that you pay... They will send men with guns to take you out of your house. Now, luckily, these people found out before the men with guns came, and they filed a, a lawsuit over it to prevent the men with guns from coming. But they knew that that was a possibility. Somebody else owned the house, and they wanted to take possession of it. Inevitably, those guys are going to come around and kick you out of your own house. Right. They don't necessarily know what the exact uh, circumstances are going to be. But, yes, in fact, that's what it's like. You, you fear. Fear that somebody's going to come in there and kick you out. It's just a sad situation, and we really need to get back to true property ownership. And the only way that's ever going to happen is total abolishment of, of property taxes. We're talking. I was talking about it with one of the activists uh, out today when I was uh, out earlier, and he mentioned that he'd almost rather live in a state where there were, was no property tax and, and just income tax, because then at least you could just refuse to pay the income tax. You know, they couldn't necessarily snag your house as a result of it, although I suppose they probably could. They're the government, right? Um, not that there is Assets, a state. I guess. There's not even a state like that. So, I mean, what state doesn't have property taxes? They all do. Mm, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine one that doesn't. So, that, But if we can get there in, in here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to get this property tax rolled back, either you know 50% would be a big improvement. Be huge. Uh, or get rid of it entirely and figure out some voluntary funding methods for the government, then people will be able to rest easy 
old people, people who are retired, who don't have a whole lot of income coming in anymore, wouldn't have to worry every single year, where am I going to get the money from to pay my property tax bill? Yeah. It's got to be frightening. It's got to be um, nerve-wracking. But governments don't care about that crap. They no. Have, oh, okay. They do have some uh, exemptions for people that are in dire straits, for, you know, oldsters that, you know, really don't have a lot of money coming in. They do have some exemptions. But that as long means, as they open up their uh, books to the bureaucrats and let them pour over their financial right. information. I mean, they, I, I'm surprised they don't stick their finger in their butt, too, as invasive as this sort of... Uh, uh, you know, treatment is. And don't forget, here in New Hampshire, whenever you want to get a uh, property tax abatement, you have to allow a government bureaucrat to come into your home. Right to privacy be damned, apparently. Mm-hmm. A government bureaucrat comes into your home, and he goes room to room, assessing oh. your home's value. They do that every five years anyway, Ian. Really? Here. Yes. A bureaucrat oh, will come great. into your home to go room to room, or they'll assess it at the highest possible value. Just assume it's maculate. Next time, I really might answer the door naked. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. As we go right into the phones here with uh, kind of an interesting little uh, radio experiment. I like to do a little radio experimentation from time to time. And I was on the phone with uh, Michael Zwirling, who is the president and owner of our affiliate out in California in Mm -hmm. Santa Cruz, uh, KSCO. And Michael said, you know, the uh, the afternoon guy there at the the station, because it's obviously West Coast, so the third hour of our show is on from uh, 5 to 6 p.m. there. No, right. 6 to, six to 7, 7 p.m. rather. And um, so the guy who does the afternoon drive shift before 6 p.m., he's been listening to the show since we're the show that's after him. And he's had a few things that he's wanted to, you know, hash out with us or maybe just with me. I'm not really sure yet what we're going to quite get into here. And uh, so he asked if I'd have him on the show and you know talk to this guy and discuss some issues. So I figured, sure, let's do it. Um, his name is Charlie Friedman, and he is the host of uh, Happy Hour over on our affiliate, uh, KSCO. Charlie, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ian. Hello, Mark. How are you doing tonight? Good, sir. Just super. And you? You got the time right at 6 o'clock out here. Yes. 79 degrees clear sky. <laughs> I always put in a word for the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> so, Charlie, uh, you've been listening to Free Talk Live. Uh, you're as, just as new as anybody else in uh, in the Santa Cruz area to our show. What's, uh, what's your impression been so far? It's, uh, in a way, it's kind of nostalgic for me. Uh, I'm a little older than you. I'm 55. Uh, back in the late 70s, I was going to local university here getting my undergrad degree. And uh, in, in the politics courses that I was taking, we, would, we, we went into all kinds of theories, and one of the ones I was most attracted to was libertarianism, because I'm, I was and still am interested in, in, in human freedom. Okay. And uh, we, we got into all kinds of the arcana of it, but I, I found that pure libertarianism, as I, as I see you gentlemen espousing it, is more of an academic exercise than something that has um, 
you know, a, a place in the real world. For example, the other night I was listening and you were speaking about immigration. You were taking the position that if you issue, if you allow people their freedom, they have the right to live where they are, wherever they want to live. And that if a person wants to come into the United States, that's their that's their business. That, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're free to do that. I understand that argument, but it rejects the concept of nation statehood. The the American nation has a right to to safeguard its own borders. It absolutely decide- does reject that. And and I'd like to say that um, there is no such thing as a nation state, and there's certainly no such thing as nation states' rights. Only individuals have rights, Charlie. That's very interesting. Um, uh, this, this is very reminiscent of what Carl Hess wrote in Dear America, which I, we were talking earlier today. I recommended the book to you. I think you'd find it very interesting. You now, see, Carl, the concept b- of before you go, state- uh, before you go any farther, Carl, we have two points of view on this show. Ian's, um, which is this free marketeer, I want the government to go away completely point of view, and mine, which is sort of a uh, small government point of view. Now, I believe that um, free people should be mo- be able to move across uh, borders freely. I, I, I believe the same thing. I just simply believe that we need to do do away with welfare and uh, you know laws that say that uh, hospitals have to give medical care to um, people just because they I don't know have a heartbeat um, you know the, these sort of welfare uh, incentives that get uh, deadbeats to come across our border but I would I would uh, you know just um, forget everything else I would open up the borders if we could get rid of welfare. Well, we're not going to do that, unfortunately. But we're going to close the border? Your views on the welfare system and mine would probably be very similar. Absolutely. Here's the problem, though. Here's what I want to address, though, is like we agree on the welfare um, issue, but you just gave it up for dead. But you do believe that somehow we're going to control immigration. How is it that you believe that government... Um, you know, is capable um, of handling the immigration issue, but you're not. But we're not, as citizens, capable of getting rid of welfare. Actually, government is capable of doing either one. In 1995, I believe it was when the Republicans took Congress, we had a welfare reform that did away with AFDC. Um, so, if these things are possible, and we have seen progress. Okay. Progress is, you know, getting to a situation that's better than you had. I'm all for I it. I saw some welfare was- um, reform, and I liked it. We had uh, unlimited immigration in this country up until, I believe, 1923 or so. Sounds right. At which time the Congress decided, you know, if we continue to have people just come in here willy-nilly, we're going to be swamped. Mm -hmm. And they set laws uh, establishing quotas. I'm not sure why they thought that. I mean, uh, in today's day and age, not even in the 20s, but today, I think something like 96% of America is completely uninhabited. So I'm not really sure what their rationale was. I think that was just, you know, some bureaucrats wanted to create a new program to control people. No, I think they were thinking about it in cultural terms. And uh, in in a sense, they had an argument. Now, in those days, I will not not deny that uh, uh, they were being rather... um, uh, Oh, what's xenophobia? Isolation. Is the word I was looking for. Xenophobia. Nowadays, it's not so much a matter of xenophobia; it's a matter of how many people can we handle. Today, you know, you pointed out ninety-six percent of the country doesn't have that many people in it. Well, yeah, how many people want to live on the plains of North Dakota? Now, I mean, hold on, I do a, there, I do a talk show host. I, I do a talk show every single night, and I hear people complain constantly. Hundred years ago than they do today. That's something we can't control, and we shouldn't try to control. Now, wait a second. I, I do a talk show every single day. I hear people call in constantly and complain about the culture issue, not about overcrowding. Um, overcrowding is a straw man. It's just not so. I mean, most of, most of those 
southwestern states are completely, almost completely unoccupied. People could absolutely build uh, huge cities in, in, in the uh, deserts there. Right. Look at Vegas. The cities didn't pop Vegas, up magically. Vegas exists after 1923 or whatever. So, I mean, you know, that the, the, oh. the uh, population issue is a straw man. And, in fact, it really boils down to culture. We've got to protect our culture, which is what all these people say. Well, one thing that's freaked out a lot of people here in California is that there's a very small number of people coming in. And let's be blunt. This, this group of people are, are Latinos, and they come in, and they have a determination not to assimilate. Oh, sure. They do not come here with the idea of becoming Americans and participating in our society the way immigrants traditionally have. Mm-hmm. I can explain that. I can explain no, that mentality. Well, I'd like to explain the mentality people of... people make a lot more noise than, uh, than uh, what their numbers would indicate. I can tell you, Charlie... ...in kicking up a lot of trouble. ...that if somebody told me that I must assimilate, that I would reject that concept as an anti-authoritarian and say, screw your assimilation, I'll do everything I can to not assimilate. And that's if someone told me I must. Now, if you okay. don't tell somebody well, they have to the do case, something, then they'll the do case, it on their would, own. If that's the case, you're welcome to feel that way, and I would suggest that rather than be here and not assimilate, you stay where you came from, where you can be happy and blend in and have a nice life. Charlie, there's we all kinds of market incentives for people me. to blend in, for, for people to assimilate. All kinds of market incentives, including the ingredients on your loaf of bread being written in English. And the evidence is overwhelming that after two generations, all immigra- um, immigrants, which is all of our ancestors, almost all of our ancestors, Assimilate, and I, I firmly believe that all these immigrants will assimilate too. Right. These are the same now, objections that everybody had about the Polacks and the Germans my, and my everybody else. Missed Ian, something they here. Probably, they probably will, but there's a question as to how many we can handle at a time, and that question is something I don't want to debate with you because I don't have an answer to it, and neither do you. No, well, I can tell I you that we have far fewer immigrants currently. We have far fewer immigrants currently, Charlie, than we have had in our past as far as a per capita number. We have the right to regulate our borders and decide... Who is we, and and how did you get the right, Charlie? That's what I'd like to know. Okay, if you're going to accept a basic Lockean social contract, we have a country... I don't accept social contract. No, he doesn't. Where the hell's the contract, and when did I sign it? Okay, and how did that give you a right? I would suggest this to you, then. You are welcome to take that point of view. I would suggest to you that virtually no one in terms of your total uh, uh, population, is going to uh, is going to accept that. Most people, and I'm not talking about just in this country, most people around the world are invested in the concept of their nationality. Chinese regard themselves as Chinese. French regard themselves as French, etc., etc. If you argue against the concept of nation-statehood, and I understand the argument, it was exactly what Carl Hess was put, putting forward 30 years ago, I don't believe it has any application in the real world because it is not accepted by any but a tiny minority of people. Well, you know what, Charlie? People used to believe the world was flat. Most people used to believe the world was flat. There was a minority of people out there that said, you know, I don't think you're right about that. And they were laughed at and jeered at. And no one believes what you believe. The the world being flat is demonstrably, scientifically, empirically And I can can demonstrate that there's no such thing as a nation state. Hold on. We'll bring you back. I'll bring you back, Charlie, and I'll demonstrate to you that there is no such thing as a nation state. Mark's going to disagree, of course. Absolutely. Uh, But 800-259-9231, it's a... Fantasy in the minds of a lot of men. We'll explain. Coming up, Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free. We've got updates. Get signed up, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the list at updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. Now then, we're on the line with uh, Charlie Friedman. He's the host of a uh, local talk show in KSCO land out in Santa Cruz, California. It's one of our affiliates that picks up the third hour of our weekday show. So he's the guy that's on before Free Talk Live. And, uh, you know, he's been listening to the show after he gets off work and has been enjoying what he's been hearing, but had a few issues he wanted to hash out with us. So I figured we'd have him on the program. So yeah, Generally, conservatives can handle the show. Um, it's, it's the liberals that it just drives crazy. I don't know if that's a statement I, you can make ver- at all. Not entirely, but but to some extent, that's what I see. I see the conservatives want to get on and debate the social issues, whereas liberals just hate the idea of uh, our economic issues. Let's go back to Charlie. Let's bring him back on from uh, Santa Cruz. Uh, Charlie, are you there? Yes, sir. I sure am, Ian. Now we're going to get. Now we started out by bickering about immigration, and Mark and I could go back and forth with you on that one for you know an entire hour, but. Then you touched on some real um, fine points that I thought needed to be rebutted. Now, Mark's actually probably going to take your side on this one, so I just want to kind of hash this out with you a little bit, because you were talking about the concept of nation-states having a right to do certain things, like restrict immigration, and I suggested that um, there's no such thing as a nation-state. And and, and the facts are, um, there is no such thing as a nation-state. All there are are individuals. Um, In fact, I mean, I'd I'd like to cite a, a great book by by a man named Mark Stevens. Adventures in Legal Land uh, is his book, and his uh, website is adventuresinlegalland.com. Let me just give you a quick excerpt here from uh, one of his articles about nations, this concept. He says, let's look at the facts. The states in the United States were allegedly created by pieces of paper and ink called constitutions. Being nothing more than paper and ink, constitutions are only obligatory on men and women as contracts, agreements, or compacts. After all, a body politic is supposed to be a voluntary association. Uh, And then he references Lysander Spooner's No Treason, the Constitution of No Authority. As stated therein, the Constitution is unsigned and as such created nothing. Myth number one is dispelled on that alone. That is that there are no states or United States. In other words, there is no nation. Basically, Charlie, the wool has been pulled over everybody's eyes by these men who, uh, violent men, the people running government, that want you to believe in this concept. They want you to believe there is a nation state when, in fact, there is no such thing. There are just people inhabiting land. That's it, and that's all. Just because a bunch of people believe something is true doesn't necessarily make it make it true. That's a logical fallacy, and I'm sorry to you know be the bearer of bad news in that way, but it's just not the case. All there are are individuals and people using violence on over others to get their way. It's interesting. You began by saying, well, uh, you know, people used to believe the world was flat, and now they don't. If you go down the street and tell people the world is flat, you're going to run into a lot of people who will disagree with you, mm-hmm. and they're right. Most of them. But if you go down the street and tell people there is no such thing as the United States of America, uh, you're not going to run into too many people who disagree with, who agree with that. Sure, the and I can go down the street the and tell people that there's the no government God. is instituted among the people by consent of the governed. If you go back and you, you read our founding documents, 
The people who came together and drafted those had in mind an idea of establishing a new experiment in self-government under social contract. The idea that people would be able to voluntarily associate themselves with this government, pledge their allegiance to it, and be willing to live by its decisions when they were made. But nobody does that, Charlie. Even if in particular cases those decisions happen to be things they didn't like. But Charlie, if that's all fantasy. That's what no, those men not. in the room said. No, it's not. It's a matter said. of voluntary association. Sir, there is association. no voluntary and that's association. That's what the Constitution is all about. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that uh, that we've all voluntarily associated with this government? We can just unassociate from it? We associated with it back in 1787. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't alive then. Con- we have continued to to participate. <laughs> See, this, in this is fantasy, Charlie. We continue to participate in this government because we believe in it, and it is to no, our advantage. No, I don't the believe in this of that government. Is that any time anyone wants to leave this country, they're free to do so. This I is don't want to leave this country, Charlie. This, no, I'm not suggesting that you do. I'm suggesting that anybody who is dissatisfied with it can see something else that they like somewhere better and and go to that. There's nothing against that. So it's not a free country, is what you're saying. It's not free. It's not as free as I'd like it to be, but it's certainly uh, just about the best that I see in the in the on the face of the globe. You've told me you don't want to leave. Well, sir, neither do I. We're right. in agreement. I'm not leaving, and I did not sign a social contract. I did not agree to the Constitution. The men back in the 1700s agreed to it. And how you can argue that men that aren't even related to me, even if they were, it wouldn't matter. How anybody who lived hundreds of years ago can bind me to some sort of agreement that I had no part of is absolute pure fantasy. To see. Charlie, okay, do you, let me ask you a question then. Do you vote? Uh, occasionally, I may bring myself to go and vote if there's somebody worth voting for, but okay. that does not, that do does you, not mean do that I consent property? to their rules, sir. Do you, do, you own, do you own property? I do own property. Do you expect the government to safeguard your property rights? No, not at all. The government, <laughs> the government does not, The government uh, now. I, I'm gonna. You you feel my pain now, Charlie. This is what my my life is like every single night. If you're night, gonna if say you a good this. thing about the Kello decision, we're gonna have a fight. No, I, oh, I would absolutely. The hell so, would I say good about that? There's nothing. I good didn't about think it. so. I was being facetious. No, no. The, the, the government has um, plays no role in protecting your property. If you go to the, oh, the if, government if something actually bad, does protect your property. No, no, it doesn't. There's, there's, if, well, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I'll make a point. Wait, wait a second. If they were actually actually responsible for um, protecting your property every time your house got broken into you could file with the government to pay you back but they don't because they're not responsible for your property they'll go you know if you get shot they'll likely send out a um, you know a meat wagon to come and haul your dead body away but they're not responsible for protecting you no well, in fact I can, t- I can tell you this my friend sometimes it works well for example back in 1989 we had one hell of an earthquake out here mm-hmm. And uh, my house would have burned down if it were not for the fact that firefighters, government people, actually showed up and put the fire out and saved my house and all my belongings therein. Ninety-two percent of the fire departments in America are volunteer, Charlie, by by citizens, not by professional bureaucrats. Now you're talking about services that people actually want. In the absence of a government, these are services that would exist and be provided by the marketplace, and they are in most places, as Mark just rightfully pointed out. So let's not focus on these services services that people actually want. Let's okay, talk about gonna, all the if things. You're gonna, if you're going to speak in favor of privatization, then we won't have an argument, because I agree with that. Right. What, I am, what I am going to suggest is that you do have certain legal rights. You have, for example, I've got the right to be on this radio program. If you have me, it's your show. Um, we have the right to, you know, First Amendment freedoms. We have our rights to, to our property. We have our rights to various other things. These are all guaranteed under the Constitution, and these are real guarantees. 
No, they're not. They have never to say that they have never been abused or misinterpreted is wrong, and I wouldn't take that tack. At any at any point that the government wishes to, and somebody doesn't doesn't spend thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to stop them, and the government will also spend your and my money in order to fight you whenever you try to stop them from abusing your rights. Right. So I'd like to point out that to answer your earlier question, there are some local services that I find valuable, and hence I pay those local property taxes in order to to fund all of that. But as far as the federal government is concerned, they don't offer me squat. I'm not interested in their little agreement or their social contract or their awful services, and I shouldn't have to be compelled to deal with these people. And I'd like for you to explain to me why I should. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number, bringing Charlie back for a little bit more. Uh, This is uh, your show. You're welcome to chime in, maybe join in the conversation if you'd like. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The wiki's there, over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. See what I mean by heading over to wiki.freetalklive.com, wiki.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more uh, personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We're on with Charlie Fried. He's the host of uh, KSCO's Happy Hour out in Santa Cruz, KSCO, one of our newest uh, weekday affiliates. So he's the guy that comes on the air before us. He'd been listening to Free Talk Live, wanted to hash out a few issues, so we've got him on the line. And we're talking about uh, some some pretty uh, some concepts that most people take for granted, I think. And I think Charlie's one of those people, and, and Mark as well. Uh, it's the, uh, the concept of the nation-state. And I'd already rebutted it from one v- viewpoint earlier, and I'd like to throw in another viewpoint as well. Um, first of all, the thing I suggest suggested earlier was that a bunch of men sitting uh, sitting around in a room 20 uh, you know 200 years ago writing stuff down on a piece of paper does by no means bind me to anything they can agree and contract with each other to do whatever they want to do but i cannot be bound by other men signing agreements with each other secondly the whole concept of a nation state depends on citizenship. You know, the idea of a citizen, if you look up the definition, is that a citizen, according to, I think it's Black's Law Dictionary, but um, to paraphrase, a citizen is somebody that owes a duty of allegiance in return for protection. Charlie was talking earlier about all the services and things like that that, you know, certain governments offer. Um, Well, if it's true that uh, I'm getting services and I have to have this duty of allegiance to the government, that's my duty in order to get the services. Well, according to the Supreme Court, they've ruled again and again that government has no obligation to protect you. That was the whole deal in the first place. Government's supposed to give me protection services. I'm supposed to give them you know, my uh, allegiance as a, in return. But the government doesn't give protection services. Now, they have services that they give, but there's no obligation on their part uh, to give those services, according to Supreme Court case after Supreme Court case. And so, therefore, if there is no obligation to protect, then there's no obligation for me to uh, be dutiful towards them. And so 
so therefore there is no such thing as a citizen. If there's no such thing as a citizen, then there cannot possibly be such thing as a nation. And of course, then we haven't even addressed the concept of collectivism. You've been sort of subtly hinting at collectivism throughout this conversation, Charlie. Uh, would you consider yourself a collectivist? No, I wouldn't. But when you talk about term, in terms of protection, um, let me give you the best example I can think of. For 40 years during the period of the Cold War, we were protected by our government against uh, the threat of international communism. We were, uh, we were able to stand that off. I, I refer what? to it as World War III. We also won two other world wars in this last century, in each case protecting ourselves against, in the first case, Imperial Germany, in the second case, Nazi how Germany. Are we, how were we threatened by Imperial Japan. Germany? I, I'm sorry. How were we threatened by Imperial Germany in World War One? Two. One. One. No, he's saying World War One. Correct. If, I want to if know the how, Allies uh, the, had lost that the war, Kaiser we would have been isolated. Us. Germany would have been able to dictate terms to us. We could understand that, and so we came into the war on the side of the Allies. If we had not done so, the war would have been lost because the Russians had already been defeated, and Germany was ready to deliver so the instead, final blow. The so war was we won. did make the Hold difference. On. Charlie, so instead the war was won, and it was won so handily because of the American involvement that in fact the Treaty of Versailles existed. The Treaty of Versailles treated the uh, German country and the German people so horribly that a man named Hitler was able to rise to power and kill millions of Jews. It's interesting you should mention that the Treaty of Versailles was not written by the United States government. No, Unfortunately, but it was when we can act unilaterally, we generally do a better job. As an example, I would commend to you what we did in Japan at the end of World War II, where we did not have to act in concert with any other nations, but rather instead were able to run an occupation and a reformation entirely on our own. How are we doing the outcome in Japan from 1945 to this day is much different from the regrettable, uh, tragic how did we do in, uh, uh, outcome Vietnam? that you cited after Versailles. I'm just wondering how we did in Iraq and Vietnam. We had unilateral control, basically, in those two. In, in uh, Vietnam, <laughs> Look, the we crapped, I'm sorry, Charlie. Vietnam, I'm, I'm setting you up out. because the government is just incompetent, even when in it comes Vietnam, to we, oh, prosecuting no, wars. No, that's, that's ludicrous. The government is sometimes quite competent. Oh, please. Well, when it comes to oh, killing yeah. people, it can do that pretty well. I'm sorry? When it comes to killing people, government is pretty good. But that's really what it does That's best. true. In the 20th century... No, the, the United States government has been very competent on a number of occasions. Oh, yeah? What's uh, that? Once again, I would mention that we won three world wars, and it wasn't an accident. We didn't win anything. To say that the government is always competent is ludicrous. Now, hold on. Um, now, it, we won world wars against other governments. So to say that our government is more competent than another government is like saying my cancer is not as vociferous as your cancer. Yeah, that much okay? is the case. Um, and so, okay, so, then you're saying that both the United States of America, the American government, and the Soviet communist government are on the same moral level. I don't That's agree That's correct. With that. Governments are about the damn same. <clears throat> no, 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 no I, 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 I don't I, agree, I with, agree that with that because that. the Soviet government was illegitimate in the sense that it was not derived from the consent of the government. Nor was this, this one, government. Charlie. This goes back. This was not derived from the consent of the governed. The governed are not vote consenting. In elections, they consent. Most people by don't vote to abide by the outcomes of those elections. Most people and don't the vote, and results. no, sir, that is not part of voting. It does not say on my voters' registration form that I consent to abide by the outcomes of the election. It voting does not is say a, that there. It, nowhere will you find the social contract actually that's printed it's out on fantasy. a piece of paper either. Right, because it's but fantasy it's in the minds of academics, sir. Accept, and therefore it is real. Let me give you an example. Right now you've probably got some pieces of paper uh, in your pocket that are green on one side, black on the other. They had pictures of dead presidents and numbers on them. Uh -huh. Now, 
anybody who knows anything at all about economics will tell you that there's nothing in this world standing behind that money. That's correct. There's no gold. There's no nothing. Well, there's the so threat of law. So why in the world can you take it down someplace and spend it and get something for it? The reason Legislative why fiat, sir. is because people have confidence in it. People believe that if they accept that bill from you and give you goods, that they will in turn be able to spend that bill someplace else. That's not exactly People true, Charlie. Now, hold on. Let me, they accept I, I, it, let me, let me it, clear something up. it is real. It's legal tender, which means that the government stands behind it, which means that if, in fact, it's good for all debts, public and private, which means, although it does isn't done, I'll give you this, it's not done on a regular basis. If I choose not to accept it, I can face the rule. I can face the government. I can I can face angry, angry bureaucrats with guns in their hands. It has blood and guns behind it. Now, no, like it doesn't. And you know this this kind of weirded me out because the other day I ran into something like that. There was this place that had a sign up saying, "We do not accept cash." You had that's, to do your transaction kind of there with it? a credit card. And I raised <laughs> that argument. I said, "Look, see, it says you're legal tender for all debts." I called up an attorney and he told me I was full of it that they could they could actually do business that way. Well, they're and still accepting me. they're still accepting Federal Reserve notes just in you know credit card form. So technically they are still uh, complying with the law there. I want to go back to this concept of collectivism, which uh, again you've sort of imbued your arguments with many collectivist terms like we did this and we did that. I didn't have anything to do with the things. Well, you're Well, I regard myself as an American and I'm quite proud of it. Well, you know what you said earlier that the uh, communist threat was effectively rebuffed here in this country and. I I found that absolutely laughable, sir. There is uh, no, I mean, we have, if you've ever looked at the ten communist planks before, they, uh, we've reached like seven and a half or eight of them in this country, full on out. Government is in uh, almost total control of the education system, which is one of the most critical uh, communist planks. Wealth redistribution is all over the place in this country. To suggest that, that we defeated the communists in the Cold War is absolutely absurd, and uh, you're closing your eyes to reality. Uh, this country is absolutely uh, has a communistic mentality to it, and it's like how you can even make that claim is bewildering to me. How you can make that claim is bewildering to me. We do not have a communistic mindset here. To say that there are collectivist elements in our government is unquestionably true. I oppose them. For example, I'm a, I, I work in the public schools. I'm a substitute school teacher in North Monterey County High. I would like to see schools all privatized. Absolutely. Here, here. And I make that argument often. People, a lot of my fellow teachers uh, disagree with me, but I'll, I'll cheerfully make that argument. This is something we can hash out. I didn't and this say, is something Charlie. that I frankly think there'll be progress made on. But under a communist system, there would be no opportunity to talk about it, no opportunity <laughs> I didn't to say hash we it were out, 100% no communist. It. it would be all foreclosed. I didn't say we were 100% communist, sir. I just said that's the direction we're going in, and we did not defeat communism uh, in the early part of the 20th century. It didn't happen. Communism's on the rise in America. Centralized wealth redistribution exists today, and most people accept it. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. We may have enough time to sneak your call in at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by going and shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You buy whatever you need for life there, and Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. I mean, I when I say whatever you need, they've pretty much got it. 41 categories to shop in. Huge selection. Great customer service. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Shop there. 
um, when you get a chance. Uh, let's go back to Charlie Friedman. He is a another radio show talk host on uh, KSCO, our affiliate out in Santa Cruz. He does uh, his show before ours comes on the air there. And uh, so we're, we just had him on because he wanted to get on with us and uh, hash out a few issues. We've been talking about uh, socialism and uh, talking about this concept of a social contract, which of course doesn't exist except in uh, the fan- fantastic minds of uh, many individuals. And the idea that how uh, how a nation state is allegedly created uh, and whether or not it really even exists, uh, some very academic uh, things to talk about here. And and of course we'll take your calls if you if you want to chime in. In fact, we do have a couple calls on hold. We'll get to that shortly here. But I just wanted to make sure we still had Charlie back on the line. Charlie, are you there? Yes, sir. I sure am. Did you want to throw out a comment you guys or have two? A line of products you're hawking. You are capitalist pigs. I think that's a good thing. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Now, did you want there to, you go. did you want to throw out a few thoughts before we start going to these phone calls? Well, just one. You'd, you'd mentioned that, uh, for example, just a moment ago, you said social contact, that's just an idea that a lot of people happen to have. I would remind you that ideas <clears throat> are the most powerful, powerful things on the face of the earth. As Barry Goldwater once said, you don't stamp out ideas with bombs and bullets, you stomp them out with better ideas. Now, so far as the concept of nation statehood is concerned, the social contract, these are ideas that have won tremendous acceptance throughout the Western world. I don't think that's true, man. And now in other parts of the world. I don't agree. I, I Most Americans don't outset, know what it is. I argued to you at the outset that if you don't believe a nation-state is real, go down the street and talk to its people, and you will find out that you're incorrect. No, what I will find out is that a bunch of people have been misinformed by their government education systems in order to believe in fantasy. You know, all you're saying is that everybody's crazy but you. That doesn't work. <laughs> no, there are some people that believe the way that I do, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, yeah, the, evidence is, the evidence is behind me, Charlie. You know, you can laugh all you want, Mark, but the evidence is behind me. A bunch of guys sitting in a room somewhere writing stuff down on paper does not create this uh, nation state. It's not no, real, it's, man. It's, it's Washington, Madison, Jefferson, Hamilton, and a bunch of guys creating the greatest framework for government humanity has ever known. Well, maybe so, yeah, but I would, I would venture to say, Charlie, that it, they it, have it failed. made it possible for you to live the life you live. Oh, I, I, would, I would venture to say that they have failed, because yeah. they wanted a republic where people's rights would be protected, and every day this gover- the, the government that they, in fact, created chips away at it. Yep, that's they absolutely created Frankenstein's monster. Now, criticism it, of this government's policies is something that I would help you do. Oh, I know. But the fact is that the government is real; it does exist, and this country is on balance—a very good thing. No, oh, the only thing that, that exists, Charlie, are people with guns forcing their way on others. That's the only thing that exists. They're calling themselves the government, but I did not contract oh, no, with the these individuals. People with guns who are forcing themselves on others are called terrorists, and incidentally, that's one of the things we depend on our government to protect us well, against. Well, uh, I would argue that the federal government is more. Job. I would argue you're correct that the federal government absolutely resembles terrorists. They're forcing their way upon me, and I have. Nothing. I don't want anything to do with it. I didn't consent to it. When was the it. last time you met one of them? Did you speed or run a, run, a, run a light or something? Federal government agents? I met one today. He threatened me with arrest and confiscation of my camera for, uh, for engaging in my First Amendment right to freedom of press. What did you do? I'm curious. I was, I was attempting to videotape an activist being arrested in an IRS office. And he told me, sorry, there's no First Amendment in this office, and then threatened me. So forget about the whole First Amendment. Forget about the Second Amendment. There's 20,000 federal gun laws. You know, we could go down the list. The, uh, uh, the right to privacy, that's out the window. Fourth Amendment screwed. I don't want to go down that list because uh, you probably would agree with us on a number of them. But let's go to the phones. We've got Tom in California. He's uh, listening to KSCO. Tom, you're on with Charlie. Hi, uh, Charlie. I spoke with you earlier today. Um, I just want to say, 
the government protects you, Charlie, just as every day against these Islamo-fascists. Every day we have soldiers dying for you. So you can stay alive and keep saying this stuff every single day. Thanks the, for the call, Tom. Appreciate it. The Islamofascists aren't likely to come here and kill me over... They already killed 3,500 people in New York. What's it take to convince you? Well, uh, I, you know, what they were trying to do is they were trying to destroy America. I'd venture to say that they've taken away a good chunk of our freedoms, or the federal government's allowed that to happen. Right. They've got the terrorists have won. If, uh, if it's true that they don't want us to be free, it's the government that's restricting freedom. It's well, the that's government that's destroying liberty. one of the reasons I'm liberty. so much in favor of fighting them in the Middle East instead of here. On the other hand, that's another topic. It absolutely right. It's a and, huge other topic. And that means you're in favor of uh, forcibly confiscating wealth from people in order to fund your uh, adventures around the world, which, again, Oh, it's not for I'm happy to pay my taxes. Oh, you may be, but I'm not. Navy. What about you, Mark? You want to fund all that crap? I don't want to fund that war, Charlie. Right. See, we think well, that if you pull... Life is like that. I tell you what you do. Next election, vote in Hillary Clinton, and you won't have to do it anymore. No, that's oh, okay. please. Hillary Clinton's going to get us out of Iraq. She voted she for it. She'll go over there and de declare herself queen. What are you talking about? Vote I in don't know. Ron all Paul. I'm doing is Ron Paul, the only now. candidate right. who's that running. could change in the next six months. What's that? I'm saying all I'm listening to is what she's saying now. I agree with you. That could change tomorrow. Right. It absolutely could. Vote for Ron Paul. He's, he's a Republican. He's the only yeah. candidate out there that's going to get us out of this And war. most Americans understand that war is a bad idea. The Americans have historically been anti-war, and it's there been governments that... There are times when war is a very, very good idea. Excuse me? There are times when war is a terrific idea. Only when it's, uh, only when it's defensive. To uh, some some British guys, give war a chance. Yeah, it's an awful idea. It's only good in defensive uh, for defensive purposes, and we haven't done that well in a long, long time in this country. Let's go back to uh, let's go to the amplifier line. Bring Rob on the line in Georgia. Rob, you're on with Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. Um, if the social contract obligates you in the way that you're saying, what what would be your problem with the Kilo decision, where that government, which apparently they elected, decided to take that property? In fact. What's the problem with various laws which have existed around the country seeing that black people can't go out after dark since they have apparently consented to those laws because they are part of this social contract? I, re I mentioned the Kelo decision earlier in the program as a classic example of a government abuse. I oppose it. I, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely appalled by it, and I want to see it fought. I don't believe I ever said, and I hope you never got the idea that I'm saying that everything the government has done is a good idea and the government is infallible. That's nonsense. It's no. ridiculous. I am saying that I owe an allegiance to the government as a citizen and that when government takes decisions I don't like, I have the right and the obligation to work to oppose them. And so we're going to have a ballot measure out here to negate the Kello decision in California, and I hope Georgia does the same thing. Excellent. Well, I hope, I hope it does, too. But how? tell me this. How do you oppose this? Do you mean by not paying for the government, by taking up arms against the government? What does no, no, you mean? oppose it by, by acting through, you know, uh, through the legal channels to get things done about it. In, in the case of California, what we do is we circulate p uh, petitions, we get a, a measure on the ballot, we get the electorate to vote on it, and we pass a new law uh, clarifying that. You see, the, the court was able to make that decision because the Connecticut law was unclear on that part of, uh, of uh, eminent domain, and they chose to take a, a, a statist approach, which I oppose. And now it's okay. up to us to correct the court at the grassroots level. I can understand where you're taking that. Where you're taking that approach. However, if you lose that ballot, and people, are you saying that you then have the obligation? 
to obey it. Like I said, there have been places where black people have been banned from coming out after dark, and very clearly the overwhelming majority of the people in a particular area, area supported those rules. Are you saying that those black people just had an obligation to obey it? I can't conceive of that. Where was that? It's been various places all over the country. I mean, it's not very recent, but black people only black people were to read. I mean, been wait, wait a minute. Like Let that. me make sure I understand you. Only black people had a curfew. Yes. I cannot conceive of such a thing. That's absolutely illegal, unconstitutional, to, Char- and uh, Charlie. And, we used to own them. Are you crazy? <laughs> that I was a hundred and some odd years ago. I'm sorry. The laws have changed a bit. Does that make then. it? Does that make it any less um, less what the government did? I mean, the government did what the government did. It was it legitimate at the time? I mean, Look, should if, those if black go, people have just right accepted now, it because the government said of, so? Right now, if you go to certain parts of Africa, they still practice slavery. Uh, we're talking we about America, Charlie. Back in 1865. There are places where people are abusing kids and murdering people. That doesn't mean that you have any sort of reason to do it. That's totally insane. Charlie, it's been a lot of fun. We're out of time, but thank you for the call, or and thank you for, uh, for the interview for playing with us. I'm delighted to have been on your program. Very yes. good. Thank you very much, we Charlie. We may do it again in the future, and have a, a great evening over there. Robert, uh, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, and let's roll into, real quick, Johnson in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Johnson. Oh, I just had a quick question. I wanted to ask him before he was off the line. I, you know, just because a bunch of people believe something, you know, I can walk around here, a bunch of people believe Jesus is the Messiah. I go to China, they'll say Buddha. I go to, you know... Uh, uh, you know, I go to uh, an Islamic country. They say Mohammed. You know, who, who, who's uh, who's the real thing? I mean, if we were to go back in time, people would believe that the uh, uh, sun revolved around the earth. People would say right. that, uh, you know, the world was flat. Just because a bunch of people believe something to be true doesn't make it true. I mean, Absolutely. Sure, you know, you can go down and people will accept that as truth, that there are nation states, but that doesn't make it reality. You know, I'm I'm somewhere caught halfway between Ian's um, free marketeer philosophy and uh, you know Charlie's, there's no social contract. Charlie's, you admit Charlie's, that. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow Republican. night online at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.